0: Does Dish Network care of 112 stations go dark? One final nail in the Olympics NBC coffin, Keith, and another big exit at Odyssey and some other personnel changes that uh, you're going to talk about. So good morning along with my co-host in Southern California, Mr. Keith Samuels. I'm Jackson Weaver, and for Thursday, August 19th, this is Media Insultant. Hey, Keith, before we get rolling today, we really should do a quick thanks to Melissa Durfee-Davis for last week's discussion of media at the agency level. I thought it was really interesting. And, uh, you know, you had some great questions for her. It was just a really good session. Just wanted
1: to thank her. Well, absolutely. Melissa, was. it was so great to see her after all, all these years. And, and, and she's she's still rocking it in the media world in the Northwest. And uh, she has some great insight into not only what it's like in an agency these days, but also what it's like working with uh, with terrestrial media reps and how important they still are uh, in the uh, advertising media placement process. So it was great to hear all the things that she said. Very encouraging, actually. Uh, and I hope there are a lot more out there. But that show's coming up, uh, and uh, or that show was I think was our, our Last August seventeenth show. Right. And so um, it was just great to see her, and and um, and and I hope. If you haven't seen that episode or listened to it, please go to our listings of podcasts wherever you find your Audible podcast, your audio podcast, and listen to Melissa. It's 25 minutes of gold. It really is. She's terrific, and it was a real pleasure to reunite and have a bit of an old rep reunion with a buyer I used to call on back in the day.
0: Yeah, it was great, and you're right. All of our podcasts and videocasts are stored both on YouTube and the podcast platform, so we encourage everybody to go back and and take a take a look at this interview with Melissa. It was it was great, Keith. All of us are woke folks, right? You know, and we talk of these days about speaking truth to power, right? You know, it's you know one of those things. You know, well, let's speak truth to power. Well, the chairman of Dish Networks, in a complete surprise, did just that when he talked about both the value of regional sports networks, the Valley Sports Network, and the value of broadcast TV to his millions of subscribers. You know, this is really interesting. His name's Charlie Ergen, and he's evidently pretty contentious when it comes to retransmission negotiations. He's a, he's a hardball player, and uh, so is Sinclair. So, you know, we have an immovable object coming up against an immovable object. Sinclair is threatening to remove all 112 local TV stations from the pay TV dish network. Now, they also own Bally Sports, right? Those yeah. are those regional sports networks that Sinclair acquired in the last year. But these RSNs have all been off of DISH for nearly two years as Charlie is playing hardball. Well, now what Sinclair seems to be doing is they're going to DISH and saying, look, we've got 112 OTA stations. You don't want to lose those, so we want to deal on the sports networks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Charlie is having none of it. He's not only, he said, he had a great phrase. He said he didn't believe in taxing his customers for what they don't watch. So where is this going to go? This is really an interesting debate between the two of them and is significant. Sinclair is counting on $400 million a year in revenue from Dish Network alone
1: on this. And there's a good chance they may not get that money. Yeah, these are this is the uh, this is the ultimate game of chicken. You know, we we see this all the time, either Directv or Dish or even some of the big cable operators, whether it's Cox or it's Spectrum or um, Comcast, whatever. You, you it's always and it always ends up with some. I mean, Cox was get had a big negotiation going down earlier this year, and then finally that was resolved. It all it all seems to get resolved at the last minute you know where yeah. Yeah. somebody figures out that you know okay we we come we've gotten to a number we can all agree to and and they do and then they save those channels for those loyal viewers so you know i, I that's what's happening here but you know the satellite guys are in a little bit different position because they're looking at a big national footprint versus you know these individual markets, so you know Charlie has uh, you know uh, a little bit of different audience to play to, but certainly the local channels play a big part in his offering, and certainly these these uh, regional sports nets that really want more money, really typically than the uh, network of, or the local Sinclair local television stations do, and I think that's where the rub is, is that how much of these RSNs gonna gonna hold him up for, and he's playing hardball with this another sports analogy. And uh, Which is interesting because, uh, you know, Bally's got a lot riding on their regional sports effort and all the rights fees they've paid. And if they can't get dish clearance and the dish retrans fees to carry those, those regional sports networks, it's going to hurt them.
0: Well, and on top of that, it sets such a, a bad precedent for all the other MVPPs, the the cable systems, because now they're going to go, look, if Charlie's not going to pay it, we're not going to pay it. And you know, it really comes <laughs> comes down to the the fees have just gone up and up and up, but the audience value has declined.
1: Well, and- somewhat, and, Char- and Charlie even you know the other quote that we we pulled out is that Charlie says that he doesn't have customers calling and asking for the for the Bally Sports Network. Right. Whether right. that's true or not, I don't know. Uh, I'm not getting any calls on this stuff, so I'm, I'm not losing <laughs> any sleep over it. But what's interesting here in Los Angeles, we have an interesting example in a comparison to this. And that is that Sportsnet LA, which is the Dodgers, you know, network, if you will, uh, that's that's in partnership with uh, Spectrum Cable, is not available in Orange County, or certainly in South Orange County. That's uh, Cox Cable has the franchise for most of Orange County and South Orange County, particularly home of the. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, uh, who are carried on uh, on Bally Sports on Cox Cable. But Sportsnet LA, you can't watch a Dodger game if you live in Newport Beach. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Cox has just said, we're not paying it. We're not paying it. And by the way, they have to pay their competitor, Spectrum, and the Sportsnet LA group. So, you know, uh, you see this all over the place, uh, particularly in markets where there are multiple sports teams and in a big enough market like LA that has uh, a geography where you can just go, you know what, you know, we're not losing that much. See ya.
0: Well, I think that uh, the truth telling that Charlie is really doing I think there are three big things that I think I see in what he's, he's talking about relative to this whole thing with RSNs is the truth is they have limited value relative to the price they're charging. You know, that's always been the whole issue is, you know, it's just too expensive. And Charlie is also being real blunt about it with broadcasters. They're charging more every year for smaller audiences. Yes, yes. And you see companies like Tegna and Sinclair and Gray just boasting about how great their revenue is for last year or last quarter. And then you look at the numbers, and, and 60% of it is retrans fees. And guys like Charlie are saying, we're not going to pay this increase every single year the way
1: the way it has in the past. One of the solutions that they do, that these guys like guys like Charlie do, and Directv does, and some of these cable systems do, is they put it on a on a on a on a, a higher priced tier. They put it on a different package level. So if you want to get if you want to get Bally Sports, well, guess what? That's going to be you've got to buy the gold package, not the silver package, and that's going to bump your bill up, you know, by fifteen bucks a month or ten bucks a month or whatever it is. And so you know they, they'll find they he finds a way and. The, to, to get the money back that he's paying in retrans fees but the distributors the, the the sinclairs of the world who own the regional sports network get pissed because those additional tier levels never have the audience size of the lower priced right broader tier levels you know like basic cable and uh, and so uh, you know they can't go out and sell the advertising they'd like to but Charlie's clearing it hey listen I'm carrying it you know. But it's not really the, where they want it to be.
0: Yeah, they just, there just isn't a big enough audience base. I mean, you know, when Charlie's paying three or four bucks a subscriber, that's a lot more money than if RSNs are getting 20 or 30 percent of a $12 sports package, you know, because the, yeah. there just isn't the same penetration. I think the other thing that plays into this, and nobody knows where this is going, is the OTT ventures that all the networks are doing. You know, you and I were talking about this earlier. You know, NBC yeah. moved a key Notre Dame game to their streaming platform Peacock this year, which they typically would have had on NBC, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal. And more and more of the major networks are now competing with local affiliates and their RSNs because they're doing more and more of the sports over the top or OTT. And for the, you know, typically that's just the streaming audience that right. you can get on Peacock or Netflix or or Hulu. So the gravy NBC- train, I think, is, a, is about to come to an end, is what I think you know, is happening.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think we're starting to see the beginning of that. And, and, and here's NBC that's doing the, it's like the uh, uh, Disney Plus strategy where they had the Black Widow streamed, you know, and theatrical release. In this case, it's just streaming for the Notre Dame game against feared Toledo. So, you know, they're 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 not they're not taking the uh, the USC game and put it on Peacock. But NBC can take the Toledo game and put it on Peacock and and get all the data that we know these streaming guys love to get and learn a bit about uh, about the audience and, and how many people will actually still watch it if it's on or if will that drive subscriptions to Peacock. So, it's an it's a it's an easy play for them on a game that really that Notre Dame's going to blow them out. It's 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 not going to get a good number on NBC. And NBC's probably running, uh, I don't know, I, I haven't checked the schedule exactly, but pro- probably have the Ryder Cup that weekend. And so, you know, they, they just as soon have, N, the, you know, the Notre Dame game somewhere else. Well,
0: and the local affiliates are the ones who get thrown under the bus. You know, NBC doesn't, yeah. doesn't really much care anymore about, about those guys. And speaking of that, they just finished up the Olympics. We've talked about the fact that they – were down forty-two percent in audience from Rio four years or five years previous, but NBC still claims that they were very, very profitable. Now, the the thing that bothered me about this, Keith, right off the bat, was they protested too much. They, you know, they they told us it was very, very profitable, but nobody asked if it was profitable, <laughs> and I'm stumped. They they claim I know it cost them a one point two billion in rights fees. They said they had more than that in revenue. Okay but boy the production on it's got to be another half a billion to a billion dollars at least so i don't figure out how they are making any money on this at all and you know it it's the first time they've uh, they've split the signal between ott sort not the first time but the first major effort in ott right. signals and over the air and at the end of the
1: day if you're an nbc rep what are you saying <laughs> I'm going. Yes, I'll run those make goods for you, Jackson. <laughs> in fact, they're they're running make goods. Well, here's the thing. In 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 the in the TV business and in sp- certainly in sports, they're promising a number. They're promising a rating. So when they go to Horizon or Group M or they go to the big ad agencies and they want to get Geico and they want to get, you know, Rocket Mortgage and they want to get all this stuff uh, committed and they did that probably two, you know, two and three years ago got those commitments. They were promising a rating. They were saying, we're going to generate this. Okay, so you can calculate a cost per point projection. And by the way, they negotiate a make good policy as a part of that too. Yeah, so, and then you hope you get close. You know, you hope you get within 10 or 15%, right? That'd be fine. And you have to do some bonus spots to make up the ratings you didn't deliver on the Olympics. And, and hopefully you have enough extra inventory in the Olympics or you can add some inventory in women's beach volleyball where you can run enough make goods that by the time the games are over, you're even, you're good, you're good. Because every day that the media department at the agencies calling that, that rep at NBC in New York or in L.A. and going, uh, you, only, you promised an eight and you did a two. You promised an eight and you did a five. So where are we going to make these up? and they do that all day long. They field those calls and then they go in and beg the manager for make goods, okay? So the NBC reps are in make good hell. They were in make good hell throughout every day of the Olympic games and they're still there because how do you make up for a 42% loss in audience? You know, that's like saying we promised an eight, you're going to have to give us a and we delivered a four.
0: Yeah. You know, no, that's or
1: right. a 4.5. It's just you can't make it up fast enough because there's no ratings big enough to do enough make goods to get that done. Jackson technically they made, they were profitable. Technically they got a lot of billing for this, but what they're not saying is how many extra spots they have to run to preserve that revenue yeah. and have that still stick because those agencies aren't walking away, you know, because the clients are calling the agency going, "We're getting crushed on these ratings." Are you, on, oh yeah, we're all over NBC, buddy. We're killing them. We're, you know, we're going to get it, you know. Okay. Well, and and, and the, the problem with that, Keith, is
0: that they also are doing the same thing radio does. They are expanding spot breaks, they're making longer spot breaks. So, you know, they end up killing the goose that laid the golden egg. It's.
1: Yeah. You know, and by the way, this just doesn't affect the network guys. You know, all our buddies that are working at NBC affiliates, you know, yeah. like Team yeah. TV in Seattle or our buddies at KSL in Salt Lake you know KNBC here in LA they promised a rating for their local avails and if they aren't delivering those all those local advertisers are calling up going you better you better make me whole you better get those ratings for me so you're going to you know, so they're running a lot of a lot of make goods to make that make that number stick and and they'll be smarter next time because uh you know they won't overpromise or even they'll you know, shrink the ratings down you know for 2024
0: well, that's what's going to be interesting is what the next negotiation looks like because they've never, ever gone through this before where they've had this much of a decline in audience. So how much of it is going to be – how much of it is really going to stick? How much of the decline is really going to stick And because of all the things we've talked about? How much of it is just kind of the settling with OTT and being able to distribute the spot load over all of those different platforms? And how much of it is just that sports on television is not as compelling as it was – 10, 15 years ago when, you know, when the Olympics were the be-all and end-all, so.
1: Yeah, well, and I, and I think what they're going to learn real quickly and wrap this up is there's there's two things. One is that the Olympics are a lot more fun to watch when there are people in the stands, okay? We love mm. seeing fan reaction, yes. international fans. I mean, it's, it's a lot better product. And then secondly, what they did this time, They'd done it a little bit before, but this time was really, really powerful. Was that they spread the content out over all those different cable channels and Peacock? It was is that strategy a good one for making money? Because it really depleted the ratings, and and people just got frustrated and they couldn't find it. Where before, ten years ago, a decade ago, twenty years ago, you went to you went to NBC or prior to that ABC every night and you watched the Olympics. Yep, and now it's it's on all the time, and it's on everywhere, and it's all consuming. Uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna they're gonna have to ratchet it back a little bit and and make sure to make it easier for us to watch. So, let's talk about
0: some people uh, moves. Uh, Pat Paxson is uh, a programmer at Odyssey who apparently has got a big reputation in the business. Uh, although I have not had any interaction with the guy over the years, but he is out at Odyssey. Uh, He's twenty one year veteran. Apparently this looks like another blow for David Fields and Susan Larkin are trying to stabilize the Odyssey ship, which has just got one defection after another. Sales teams blowing up, people walking out the door, going across town. So is this another blow or is this just the new normal for people like Odyssey, Keith?
1: Well, it it certainly is the new normal for Odyssey. I don't know if it's the new normal for the business, but Pat Paxton was the head of programming. He he was in charge of all of programming for all of the Odyssey slash intercom slash CBS stations. He was a CBS guy been you know he got brought over when CBS sold to uh, to intercom and now it's part of Odyssey and just suddenly out of the blue, he's gone and replaced. and so uh, you know replaced by another guy that's come in it was the next CBS guy and and, and just gonna do the job for him I guess. But it really strange, it got people really off guard that this big a move just came out of nowhere. You know, there's speculation, Del Calliano's speculating that it's it's that maybe maybe after twenty-one years and certainly starting at CBS that that Pat had really was making a lot of dough and it was, you know, no show for more dough and maybe it was just (laughs) time to cut the expense and we'll bring in somebody cheaper. Or they just got you know, came to loggerheads and That was it, and you know, got it. I'm gonna okay. We're gonna make the move. You're out. It's gotten everybody's attention, and uh, he's it's the biggest one of the biggest programming jobs in all of radio. And now that's changed. So, and we'll see. But it really does look back at at David and Susan and going, what the heck's going on, guys? Yeah, you know, what's what's happening at this ship? There were some other interesting personnel moves last week or the last couple of weeks. Cox hired a new DOS for Atlanta. You know, their most important market. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, hired, they, they promoted a woman named Chris Hackett to be their director of sales for their stations in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And she got the, the uh, gig uh, having been a GSM, a general sales manager in the market. And she was promoted by market manager Jay Lee Long. Well, Jay Lee was the former DOS who got promoted to market manager uh, when Rob Babin got the corporate job to run radio. And... That was five months ago. So they weren't ready to promote Chris five months ago. They had to wait five months. Sounds to me like it's the old radio trick. And I love the guys at Cox, but they waited five months to save some money. Yeah. So they save yeah. the DOS salary for five months. And they go, Chris, we're going to give the job to you. And you couldn't have done that five months ago or four months ago? Anyway, it's just one of those typical things. Let's see, Hubbard hired a new a general manager for their Rochester TV station. And guess what? She's not a sales manager. She's a news director. She yep. comes in from Detroit. She's a news director. And you and I have been talking about it. TV loves hiring d- news directors now as general managers. Another example.
0: And, yeah. And there, I think that's another example, too, of, of compensation because a news director's in very few circumstances that I know of, is as compensated as well as a D- DOS or GSM. So they yeah. save a few bucks.
1: Exactly right. And the, and by the way, the head of sales doesn't take a pay cut to be the GM. Right. And then finally, it was interesting last week, iHeart had a big deal about naming a new SVP of sales for St. Louis, their big cluster in St. Louis, which is interesting because they, they moved the DOS out uh, several months prior to this. So she comes in. Lisa, Libby Nolan gets the gig, and I hear great things about Libby, according to my sources, but following her name being named the SVP of sales in iHeart St. Louis, two of her sales managers get moved by iHeart to SVP of sales job, one in Huntsville, Alabama, and another one in Raleigh. I guess because they didn't get the job, they found other jobs for them in smaller markets. And Libby's got a, a big recruiting job ahead of to, ahead of her as she tries to replace a couple of, uh, I guess, fairly good uh, GSMs. But interesting, interesting people moves out there, and it's kind of typical for this time of year because we're halfway through the year or beyond it now, and we're not going to make budget. We've got to blow people out, or we've got to make you know we've got to promote some people into spots where we're not doing well. And then things should settle down here, probably in September and October. And then, of course, we have those end of the year blowouts. So,
0: well, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, always I mean, fun in
1: personnel moves.
0: <laughs> and then the and the sad part about it is exactly that. You know, sometimes when you're off budget and you're down, and I think most broadcasters are probably down fifteen to twenty percent uh, down from 2019, you got to change some crap, or your board sits around and goes, "Well, what are you doing about it?" And if yeah, you say, yeah. "Well, we're stable, we're holding the team together, we're working mm-hmm. on it." The boards don't like that. They want to go, oh, well, we blew this guy out. He never was very good. We moved this one. Yeah. So it's it's that time of year. Keith, I, I'm sorry. I don't know where the time goes, but that's it for this week. So <laughs> Media Insultant is a production of In Town Media and can be found on all the podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. Keith, I can't tell you much. I appreciate you being on the show with me with your wisdom and your insight. So I got an idea. Let's do this again next week. <laughs> Have we'll a great be weekend, a nice Jackson.
1: Day.